I welcome you back today to our program. I hope that our ministry has been blessing your heart. As you continue to pray for Family of Grace, I hope that this message today will strengthen you. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. I believe the Lord will give you strength for your journey. Today, as we gather here, I want you to continue to be in prayer. We're in a season where God is doing some neat things in the life of Family of Grace. He is testing us. He is trying us. We're in an area where God is completing us and bringing us about where he would really like to have us to be and what God is really wanting to fulfill in our own personal lives. We've been going through the book of Ephesians this summer and today we're going to finish that up. In our, we've been looking at these pillars that we've had and we've been talking about pillars of our faith and how if we could grasp some of these pillars, they would give us the victory that we need to make it through the journey of our life. Today we have reconfigured these pillars and today we're looking at the one pillar that you must have and that all other pillars are built on. It's the pillar of the cross. It's the cross. The cross is not a good way. The cross was not man's way. You see the Roman soldiers thought that it was their way. The Jewish people thought that it was their way. They thought that it was their plan. But what I want you to know today is that the sovereign father had grew the tree that would become the cross. He saw the seed that would spring up and become a tree. He watered that tree with rain like we're hearing on the building now. He nurtured that tree. He protected that tree. He sheltered it. He matured it. All knowing one day that tree would be the tree that would be cut down. That would be made into a cross that his son would be nailed upon. You see, the cross was not man's way, it was God's way. For the Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, For behold, the lamb that had been slain before the foundation of the world. Before man had been created, before man had ever sinned, the lamb had already been identified as the offering. You see... It wasn't plan B, it was always plan A. But what God had to do was bring man to a point where he could realize that in all of his righteousness, he was still covered in filthy rags. For you see, Adam and Eve living in a perfect environment could not overcome the desire of their own flesh. They could not overcome the lust of their own eyes. Because even though they were in a perfect environment, they still had the issue of their will. Adam and Eve were not ro robots. They were not brainwashed soldiers. They were sovereign individuals who had their own will. They had been fashioned by the very hand of God. And yet they had their own opportunity to make their own decisions. You see, God knew that his son would always have to go to the cross. But what he had to do was show man that, number one, man could not redeem himself. Number two, religion could not save you. If religion could have saved you, I'm telling you, there was no better religion, no better formula than the Jewish religion. I'm telling you, go to the book of Leviticus. If you could think it, they covered it. But when God laid out the Levitical law in the book of Leviticus, when he realized that even religion couldn't save you, what Leviticus could not do, his son did in the book of Hebrews. 
If you want to read the book of Leviticus, you will see it fulfilled in the book of Hebrews. The whole counsel of Hebrew, Leviticus, was fulfilled in Hebrews and was fulfilled on the cross. The cross was not man's way. The cross is not a good way. The cross was God's way. The cross was the only way in the new age that we live in. The age of, of, of all the new religions that are springing up. Today, the cross is still the only way. Just this week, we realized that the atheists have won another battle. And they've uh, went to the IRS and they went to the courts and said, you know what, you need to go after those churches' tax-exempt status more. And if you preach the cross, if you preach Jesus, if you preach the truth, if you preach righteousness, if you preach hell hot and heaven sweet, we'll be persecuted. But know this, that you'll be in good company. And the only way you will make it through life, the only way you'll make it through the, the adventures and the white waters that we're going through is if you are anchored to the cross of Calvary. Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, For I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live. I reckon myself dead with Christ. When Christ sees me, he sees me as dead as Christ is. When he sees the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he sees me as his life as Christ is. The Christ life. The cross life. A message that is perishing. A message that is veiled. A message that is no longer around. Today, God is wanting to do something unique. God is wanting to do something special. God is wanting to move in a very interesting way way if you have your bibles today in the book of ephesians in the book of ephesians we're going to go back and look at a verse that we looked at already ephesians chapter 2 it's an interesting verse here's what it says well, let me read you galatians 6 just a few verses before in galatians 6 and 14 it says paul the same writer wrote this book of Galatians, the prison epistle at the same time. And here's what he said at the end of Galatians. When he wrote the letter to the church of Galatia, he says, But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I have been crucified to the world. The world has been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to the world. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20. But Christ, but God demonstrated the power in the Messiah. In the Messiah. By raising him from the dead. And seating him at the right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority. Power and dominion and every title given. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. What is the message of the cross? What is the message of the cross? Is the cross offensive? Absolutely. Is the cross Condemning? Absolutely. Is the cross judgment? Absolutely. But in the cross be my glory ever. 
Because the same cross that condemns is the same cross that liberates. The same cross that crucifies and kills is the same cross that gives life. Paul said, I have been crucified, yet I live. Christ was crucified on the cross, but he gained victory over the grave. The cross is not a good way. The cross is the only way. The cross is not man's formula. It's God's pathway of redemption. I want you to understand something. That God had this thing formulated before it ever took place. And here's what he says. And God demonstrated his love towards us. Towards us. In Romans 5. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And what does this verse say in the book of Galatians? I mean the book of Ephesians. He says, for God demonstrated the power. The Greek word for power there, you may know, is from the word we get our word dynamite. It's the dunamos, the explosive power. The power to explode, the power to annihilate. The explosive power was demonstrated on the great getting up morning when God the Father went down and resurrected the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's three things across portrays you may want to write these down number one the cross is a message of position it's a message of position a place one had to be you may remember in the story of the crucifixion it was a custom for them to release one prisoner and there was a criminal who had positioned himself in his life To have a proper crucifixion on the cross. To have the position to hang on the cross. He made his decisions in life that had brought him to the pathway of Calvary. But you may remember that Pilate wanting to release Jesus said, I need to release somebody. Why don't I release Jesus? And they cried out and said, no, no, no. Release Barabbas. Release the one who has positioned himself to be in a way that he deserves death. And then all of a sudden Pilate said, but what am I to do with this one named Jesus? And the crowd cry out, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And at that moment, Jesus took The position of Barabbas on the cross. The position of Barabbas on the cross. But he also took our position on the cross. He took our place. He went in our stead. In our stay. And not only did Barabbas get to go free, but you and I was able to go free. Because of the position that Christ assumed On the cross. Now look at this if you would. The position was a position of death. But look at what it says. But he demonstrated. Don't you love demos? Where they let you try something out before you buy it? I had this guy the other day. For for months he's been trying to talk me into buying this car. And he says man this thing is 40 miles to the gallon. That's what it says on the sticker. I said no way. I've never seen a car ever get what it says on a sticker. 
And so, boy, he's been wearing me down. I said, I tell you what, before I'll ever even think about driving your car, I have to drive it myself. Not just around the block, not just around the city. I'm talking about road trip. And I'm talking about a whole tank of gas in the city. I want to measure it for myself that he gets that kind of mileage. Demo that dude. Put on display for the buyer to see what he's getting. And so, man, here's the thing that I want you to understand. Is that God put on display for all the world to see his power. His power. Now, he could have displayed his power, and he does every morning in the handiworks. With the sun rising and setting and the moon rising there and the shining and the stars and the wind and the rain and the, the breeze and the birds and the dew and the, the flowers and all those things. He could demonstrate his power. But the greatest way that God's power was demonstrated according to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20 was it was demonstrated, it was put on display for all the world to see in the cross but in the resurrection. You see, had there not been a resurrection, it would have just been another crucifixion. The crucifixion was the payment. The resurrection was the victory. The resurrection was the joy. One was the payment. One was the penalty. One was the agony. Going back to the, the, the illustration of a car. If you don't pay for it when you buy it once a month, you pay it. You pay it. That's not the, you don't say, well, joy to the Lord. It's the first of the month. I get to write General Motors a check, Ford Motors a check, and pay for my car. No, that's not when you like your car. That's when you like it the least. It's the payment process. And then the rest of the month, you get to enjoy it till the last week you think about the payments coming back. You see, one was the payment, but the other one was the victory. The cross was the payment for the sin. And I want you to know today that it's a position. It says here that he demonstrated in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. There was a position on the cross that must have been assumed. If there was not the position on the cross that had been assumed, he would not have been able to assume the position in heaven. Now, today, theologians have debated this for years. But all I know is that if I, I, I have a simple mind, and I just know that if I'm sitting at somebody's, if somebody's sitting at somebody's right hand, then they have to be to that person's left. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, when you think about this whole thing, it says he's seated there. He's seated in the heavens. See, he assumed the position of death that he might assume the position of victory. Now, there is no other way to have victory except through the cross. Any man, the Bible says, that wants to save his life will lose it. But any man who loses his life can save it. Now, today, my friends, as we think about this, we must assume the position, the position of death, that we might assume the position of life and the only way that we can assume the position of life is to assume the position of death that Jesus Christ has already assumed for us. We just have to unite ourselves with the finished work of Calvary and say like Paul did, if I have been crucified with Christ, then I live with Christ. And if I'm going to run around and brag about something, it's going to be about the cross. The cross. Now today, we're okay with 
bragging about the cross. I wear one on my finger. I have a ring that's a cross ring. We have, a, we have cross bumper stickers. We have cross jewelry. We have crosses in our home. All those things. But to put it in today's terminology that we can comprehend it, it would be like me having a picture of an electric chair on my finger. A big needle that they place drugs into somebody's body that kills them. The cross was a form of execution. Only Jesus transformed the executionary form of life to be the form of victory. Of victory. My friends, the thing that was overcoming me and you was overcome by the overcomer of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It says he assumed the position. He sat down at the right hand in the heavens and far above every ruler. Stay with me. Underline this in your Bible. Far above every ruler and every authority and every power and every dominion and every title given. Now, can't you just say that's pretty much everybody? Amen. And not only in the age that Paul was writing in, but in the ages to come. There is none before him. There will be none after him. This week, we've seen a lot of things happen in Israel. Cool stuff. Tragic stuff. I love the headlines of Hamas. They says, I don't understand it. Their, their God keeps deterring our rockets. Their God like sends our rockets in another direction. Now, boy, isn't that a testimony of the enemy? Praise the Lord. Headlines yesterday was Benjamin Netanyahu said this to the Obama administration, don't you ever second guess me again. And rightfully so, they should have. But here's what they said. Don't you ever second guess me. A position of authority looks at another man in authority and says, don't you do that anymore. I'm telling you today, there is no ruler. There is no dictator. There is no king. There is no monarch. There is no president. There is no Congress. There is no legislative branch that can never look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, and say, don't you ever second guess me because he is the final authority of all things. He has assumed the position of authority by assuming the position of death that you and I might anchor ourselves to the cross and in the cross be our glory ever. The cross is a message of position. But the cross is also more than that. It's a message of power. Look at what the Bible says in verse 21. Far above every ruler, above every authority, above every dominion, above every title that will ever be. He is more powerful. And He has appointed Him as the head of all things. The head of all things. It's a message of power. A message of power. He can't be overthrown. Supreme courts can rule and say He doesn't exist. Atheists can try to prove that they doesn't exist, but the more that they try to prove that He doesn't exist, they end up proving that He does exist. I can't tell you how many great men of God there are today that are preaching the gospel who were atheists, who didn't believe in the existence of God, and in trying to prove that He didn't exist, they ended up proving that He did exist. And you know what? 
If you really believe he didn't exist, why would you waste all your time, energy, and talent and resources trying to prove something didn't exist? If I didn't believe it existed, I'd just ignore it and go on about my business. But they know that he really exists. And because they know that he really exists, they've got to spend all of their energy to prove that he doesn't exist. You can spend all the money in the world. You can gather up all the nations in the world, every tribe, every tongue, every government, and they can make a declaration that there is no God there is no triune Godhead but I want you to know according to the word of God according to the sun coming up in the morning and setting in the evening and the wind blowing and the rain falling there is a God the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 1 that creation is made known God is made known in his creation and his handiwork There's, the cross was a message of position the cross was a message of power because no one had ever conquered death. Now we've had some botched executions in the history of our killing people because of their crimes. And they say that if you can escape that, they let you live. And there's been some things that didn't turn out too well. But I am telling you this was not a botched execution. Because the word of God says they didn't take his life, he gave it. The Bible uses the word, he yielded, yielded his spirit. And he gave it up. Now stay with me. And just to make sure that he was dead, they went out there and they broke the legs of the other thieves so they could no longer pull themselves up to breathe. And then they just suffocated. But when they got to Jesus, they wanted to be a little more torturous. But what they didn't understand was they was really just fulfilling prophecy. So that a bone of his body wouldn't be broken. They took the spear and they thrust it in his side. And blood spilled out and water spilled out. Not bloody water. And he was good as dead. He was dead before they did it. But I'm telling you, if there was any chance he was still living. They emptied his body. I mean, you talk about an embalming experience. Getting rid of the fluids in your body. I mean, they emptied him. They just gouged a hole in his side. And I am telling you that he assumed the cross is the message of power. Because it was the power of death. It defeated everybody. But now he defeated the cross. Oh, death. Where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? And thanks be to God who gives us our victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. A cross is the message of position. A cross is the message of power. But the cross is the message of presence. Of presence. Now stay with me. Let me explain. Verse 23 says, Which is his body, the fullness, the fullness of the one who feels all things in every way. Now, the cross is a message of presence. What I mean by that is, the Bible says right here, he demonstrated the presence by the power through Christ on the cross. He demonstrated the presence and the power of saying you're above all rulers. But with God there is no past. 
For look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 23. He's over everyone. He's put everything under his feet. And everything that was and everything that will be, he is in charge of. And he is over. And he is the head. Let me explain it this way. Last week, our message came out of the book of Revelation. Right after the, John wrote down the letter to the church of Ephesus, in the next chapter, here's what happens in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, And then I saw in the right hand of the one who seated on the throne a scroll with writing on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And then look at this in verse 2. Also, I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to open this scroll and break its seals? They looked around, but no one was. No one was worthy to open it, open that scroll or even look in it. And John said, I laid down and cried because nobody could open it. Verse 5 says, Then one of the elders said to me, John, would you stop crying, son? Look over there. The line from the tribe of Judah... The root of David has been victorious so that he may open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one who was like a slaughtered lamb standing between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders. He had seven eyes. He had seven horns and seven eyes and seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the 24 elders, they began to lie down, they began to cry out, and they began to say, oh my goodness, worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah is the Lamb and what God is doing. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slaughtered and you did redeem the people for God by your blood from every tribe, from every language, and every people, and every nation, and you made all those bunch of knuckleheads from all over the world one kingdom by the cross, by the cross, by the cross. The lamb was slaughtered, and he's worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. Blessing and honor and glory and dominion be to the one who is seated on the throne and the Lamb forever and ever. The cross is not only a message of position. Not only a message of power. But it's a message of presence. The cross is what propelled Jesus to the right hand. And he always was. He always is. And he will always be. You know what girls? You're right. Just like that song said, sometimes the world stacks things up against us and everything within us says, don't trust him. But I want you to know something. You don't go on your feelings. You go on facts. And the fact of the word of God is this, that he loved you enough to die for you, to take your place on that cross, to give you a position in his kingdom that you might have life and have it more abundantly. For all of eternity. As we've gone through this service. I hope that God has spoken to you. And if there's any way at Family of Grace. That we can help you in your journey. Please do not hesitate to contact us. 
And we want to help you become all that God has intended for you to be. Hope to see you again next week. At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org.